0: of anyone's, you know, issues going on in their country at this time, like everyone is kind of at the same time facing this. And I,
1: I think that this extends past our lifetime. I, I feel like this is a, a societal first, like a global societal yeah. first. Yeah. Outside of like World War II.
0: Yeah, World War II would have like been the last big one. The case of that. But then, you know, you know what, though? No, I, I, I will say I will say no, because. Yes, World War Two obviously pulled almost every country in, and so you could have said that about World War One, but um, that that didn't mean that like it had the greatest effect on like there was never any war fought on American soil. I mean, well, not, not any foreign war, or whatever, but uh, like World War Two was this global thing and so was world war one but it wasn't happening in america right like there, there were it was the world was different because you would have been like oh all the men from this age to this age other than the donald trump's or whatever that uh that have the heel spurs that can get out of it are in at war right now um and that feels different it feels like the world is is different other than you know rich people that, yeah. that can hang there and own businesses but you, you would still walk around the street and it's like, you could get used to that and the war would still be away from you. You know, like, you couldn't... It's not like the people who were in America would have known what it was like yeah. on, in, in actual combat. Like, those people were way across the, the world. And you could only kind yeah. of understand what that would even be like to be in. And this is something where it's, it's there in all of our communities now. So, you're, it's not like... um you know, it's a it's it's a terrible in Wuhan and everyone from the world is having to go over there and help out to contain the spread of this possibly disastrous thing. It's like it's already there. It's everywhere. And everyone has to, like, deal with the fact that when they look outside, yeah. there shouldn't really be people. And, you know, there's this and, and
1: people. Yeah. And, and, you know, people were like uh, everyone knows, you know, who was around for it, knows like where they were when JFK was shot and, uh, you know, where they were. Uh, 9-11 and everyone knows where they are with coronavirus they're at home (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, well (laughs) not some people (laughs) that's that's my uh that's my joke that's there uh, there are uh as an ems worker i can attest that there
0: are many people who are not at home
1: there are many people who are not at home and there are many people who wear the mask over their face like over their mouth but not their nose yeah Something I'm like wondering that. what.
0: So, so uh, we're talking about COVID nineteen, uh, and this I, is, uh, I think what's it would
1: be the deal with it would be hard Linux.
0: to to release. You know what? You could release this. I feel like you could release this podcast in like two years, and you could through context clues think about what we're talking about. Because if you can't, and there's something else that's worse that happened on a global scale than this, then then what is happening in the future? I don't know. Only
1: twenty twenty babies will remember this. Only twenty twenty babies will
0: remember <laughs> this. We'll just forget about it next year.
1: But fifteen hundred dollar hand sanitizer.
0: So we're talking about corona. I have it. Um
1: You have coronavirus. Congrats. You I know.
0: I, I uh I knew I would get it and I knew everyone would get it. Um I, I I remember when it started kind of coming here and it was being an issue and or it probably was here for about a week before Our governments were like, hey, maybe we should take this a little bit more seriously. Um, And I remember when that happened, uh, I was looking at some report from the CDC saying that around 75% of the world's population will have corona by the end of the year. And I think at that time, I was like, that's wild. That cannot be true. And at this point, um, I would probably be like, how can it only be 75 like every, everyone's just going to get it. It's that it's just kind of more like a matter of the time and people are quarantining not to not get it, but to slow down. I think that's another thing that people don't understand. Right. Is that they think that, uh, yeah, but
1: that's also, that's really important to slow it down. So, so that, no, don't, I'm not saying know, it's not or, important. Or the hospitals, right? Like, yeah, yeah I, I know you're not saying it, but I, I need the, the viewers. Uh, we don't call them viewers. Uh, to know that too, right? Like yeah. uh, for inevitably, when we release this episode in uh, two months or so, we'll see. Yeah. So I was. What's I was, the deal I was, with games? What's What's the deal with games for the week of March thirtieth?
0: Yeah, it is weird to be stuck. I mean, for I I wouldn't be stuck inside. I was working for the first three or so weeks of it, and then on my off days, I just started feeling bad, and then I took the test. Still haven't gotten the results. Uh, but just felt all the symptoms and have been was like pretty much like uh, bedridden for a little bit for two days and
1: uh, so, now I'm feeling a little bit better. So people come to us for the hot takes on video games, but I bet the people would want to know what it was like for you, New York EMS during coronavirus.
0: Um, it's it's weird and it's not even over because today I was just reading that when when I first when I went out and was saying that I probably have it and that I took the test and I'm waiting for the results. They're like, okay, don't come in for at least a week just based off of your symptoms. And no one else in my station was complaining of the symptoms yet. And then around like a day or two after that, now like almost everyone I know is. I don't even know who is working right now. I it's a disaster. Like the we, we're getting like double the call volume with half the EMTs I don't understand how they're doing it and when when, when I was working what we were doing um it like one of the core like underlying value of our job usually is like to obviously in in most cases to uh stop something that would be life-threatening like a bleed or something like that but to always recommend people go to the hospital especially for like medical possible medical problems yeah. So because we don't have the diagnostics. So it's like, well, I can take your blood pressure and, and like read your heart rate kind of and, and figure out that there could be something wrong going like you, and you're saying of chest pain and you have really high blood pressure or something like that, then there 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 could be a cardiac issue. But um, like we always recommend, you know, going to the hospital, even when people are like really stubborn, we have to usually call a doctor to say these are the symptoms. This person's saying they don't want to go. And then sometimes a the doctor can get, interfere and say, We're gonna have to get police to make them go because they're not in their right mind if they're thinking that based on these symptoms they shouldn't be going to the hospital you know like it can get to that level and the last two weeks especially the last week that i was working um we were really just like we were getting these calls and we were going in like like hey what's going on and then people were like i've got these complaints and it'd be like okay so we're not gonna take you um just stay inside take a tylenol um that's it like don't call back again deal with this on your own. That's almost entirely what what we were doing in a lot of cases, because people were just calling most, in in a lot of cases, just to tell us what their corona symptoms were, which is useless information if you're not, you know, unable to breathe. Like, it's very useless information, and uh, it's just overloading uh, our our calls. Um, Other than that, like, we were getting a lot of people who had like actual issues that were I hadn't really seen anyone young but I'm hearing stories uh but we were getting a lot of people who have the issues with with complications but the hospitals obviously are ridiculous they are like unbelievably packed and everyone is just everything is just changing moment by moment in the healthcare field like we have strict guidelines that are so set and we'll just be multiple times a day we'll just get like a text or something that's like this thing we've always done, we're not doing it right now. Stop doing that. So so okay. all these these basic things that we've always done, like let people go to the hospital they want. Like they can't choose anymore. You just go to the closest. Um, and then there's a, like, like the stuff like calling a doctor for people who are like, you know, look obviously sick and should go to the hospital. Like now we don't have to do that. If the person says uh, like, I don't want to go, then we're like, okay, fine, you can die. And if the person says uh like i want to go to a different hospital i absolutely won't go to the closest then it's like yep okay so you can get a, you can figure out another way to get there get like have someone go drive you because we're not taking you get an uber yeah get honestly get an, like that's what it i mean that, that's not good because then those these people might have corona but it's like the if you have you know new york deals with the highest call volume per year of any ems agency so uh, having like around 4,000 calls per day already, which is already obviously busy for, for the rest of the world. And then now having 7,000 to 8,000 calls and then having most of the workforce sick is like, you have to start doing all these things that you thought you would never do, like that, that they're just completely changing day by day. And now I'm hearing that like, I won't even work with another EMT for the next couple months. Like they're going to put me on with like someone who has no medical training so is it a
1: good time to ask for a raise every you would is- think it would
0: be right like you would honestly think it would be but we don't like nothing got that much better for us despite all all this happening i mean people like i i galloway was talking about this it kind of made me laugh like they were like clapping for doctors oh, they have yeah, a, they've, they've had videos of that clock yeah a it,
1: seven o'clock clap for all i think i don't know if it was for doctors i think it was for everyone who's working yeah. An essential field, including, like, delivery people.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's great. That's also useless. Like, until people put, you know, government agencies to task or put these companies to task that are hiring people and paying them nothing, then, like, you have grocery store workers out there who are like, thank you for clapping for me. I'm going to go make uh, $9 an hour, uh, not be able to pay my rent, and possibly get myself sick and i have no health coverage and if i get myself sick then i can't like go home to my family or maybe like my kids or something because i'm going to get them sick so it's going to be cause a whole nother chain reaction of of issues like there's other clear problems and like this should be the time that people are like this is a disaster we need to get in place um like fair compensation for people who are having to deal with this Because no one will will care about that shit in, in like, a couple months after this.
1: Yeah, and so far what's happened is there has been, like, uh, the government passed some laws about uh, requirements to give um, two weeks paid leave uh, minimum to anybody who, like, suffers symptoms or is caring uh, for somebody with the symptoms. Yeah. Uh, But it doesn't do much for, you know, people who... You know, aren't sick yet and are working at Walmart or whatever. And
0: yeah, it's also kind know. of it's difficult because obviously, like everyone talks about, it, but there's like the the seven to fourteen day incubation period where you're still spreading it, so you don't ever know. Yes, like it's impossible to know. And people who are just go like doing the simple things like going out to the the store is more dangerous than I think. Still, people are understanding, especially if you're someone who lives with anyone who is compromised. But
1: yeah. I've been, uh, I wear like gloves, not like disposable gloves. I wear like my regular gloves. And then when I go home, I like wipe stuff off that I got. And like, I, I feel like even that's kind of extreme, but everything that I-, I bring home from the grocery store, I wipe down with like a-, a Lysol wipe.
0: It's a weird time because I feel like everything, maybe it's like a hubris thing, but it feels like everything is too extreme or not extreme enough. <laughs> Does that make yeah. sense? Like, like, cause you can feel like, oh, wow, I, I I feel like I'm a little weird that I'm, like, wearing gloves and a mask when I go outside. Like, we've never done this. Or washing everything as it comes to me and everything like that. But then even then, it's like, the mask isn't enough. The gloves aren't enough. Do you wash your clothes when you get in? Do you, like, got, have, like, a decontamination room? What about the stuff, where, like, when you take off your clothes? Like, what are you touching it with? Are you touching it with your hands? Because then your hands are contaminated. Yeah,
1: oxy- oxygen not included really prepared me for all this stuff, man. Oh, yeah? They got like their exosuits, and then you create like the the germ lock chamber where you have to go through a a, a chlorine filled room before you can. Thank enter you the home so pace. much
0: for reminding me that that game existed.
1: Oh yeah, uh, that game is nuts. What a what a what a world. What a what a what a deal with games. Yeah, uh, but ne- it's, it's never been a better time.
0: Do you I mean, feel like you've gotten to play more games like than 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 yeah. ever? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like. Uh, um, So the work from home doesn't really mean that I'm playing more games. Uh, We're extremely busy. Um, You know, I've actually been following like the coronavirus thing since late January. I was I was working from home as of like late February before there were like mandates to do so. Yeah, I was reading too much about it. And I was like, okay, there's no reason why New York shouldn't have this yet. So I'm I'm done going to work.
0: I remember when you told me about that. That was way. That was really like a month in advance. You were yeah. just like it, it. Like they were indefinitely working from home. And I think that was still when, even you know, like I, I'm not someone who isn't listening. I'm not. I'm not Trump or anything. But I even then, I think I would have been like, that's a little much, you guys, to not to not like go to your workplace. I mean, it's just like this virus. Like we would not everyone's gonna get it. You know, like I, I think that it was still pretty hard to understand just how bad
1: yeah so a a day after um our company went on shutdown um there were people in the office on our floor in our conference rooms who uh were confirmed cases that was so early on that we we missed we missed them by a day
0: (laughs) yeah but then that would have been 10 days before right 10 days like prior to to that they were already spreading it yeah but you never got it I guess or or you did get it and you just didn't show the symptoms
1: yeah either of those is possible I don't have any like underlying condition I'm like somehow by like God's grace uh in, like very healthy like no matter what I eat like no matter what I do like I can run up flights of stairs like I'm I'm there are no issues with any part of me uh so either I won't get symptoms at all or I'll like instantly die so excited to see which one. Eh,
0: I don't think it has to be the those two, but um, that's it uh yeah, I don't know I mean, and I'm frustrated too because I did the the test, and I think the all, every all the testing centers are so backlogged that people. I'm just hearing from people that are just like, I just haven't heard anything and it's I'm paying. gonna grip
1: it and rip no it time. all right Hold on yeah. let me let me yeah,
0: I'm keeping that in, so you've been playing video games i've been, I've been getting to play a little bit of video games in a way that I haven't really had a chance to, yeah in
1: a while. uh so. So you've been playing this uh, surprisingly. Uh, you picked up Animal Crossing. I did. So that is like the hot game right now. Like everyone is playing Animal Crossing. Everyone is talking about Animal Crossing. I don't remember the last time that I saw this many people discussing one game.
0: It's kind of weird, like. We're...
1: And maybe it's just that this game is very like memeable. Like the game is so like that's what... quirky and weird that like the exposure to it you get online is heavier than other games.
0: Do you think, you know, like, like almost like a pseudo psychologist uh, hat on, but do you think that there's something to do with um, how normal Animal Crossing is? Like you go outside and, you know, you have neighbors and you like, it's not, you don't really like walk around, you know, shaking trees to get their fruits. And then selling them to, you know, the your your loan shark's kid. But but it it does feel like there's something more um like regular about Animal Crossing. And it's it's obviously like you know it's tame. It's not violent or anything. It's I feel like it's a it's a nice time for something when, when everyone when the world is so uncertain and scary. There's like uh it's something there's something interesting about Animal Crossing and just.
1: Like yeah, and a lot like of people are, are like getting getting together on Animal Crossing and things like that. I've had some Animal Crossing meetups recently. Yeah, I I, I do think that's part of it. Uh, it's also just uh, I don't know. I, this game de- definitely does appeal to non gamers also. So I feel yeah, like my, that's
0: why um, I actually I didn't get it of my own volition. My LTCP was like saying that uh, she she got it and she's not really feeling like symptoms that much yet, so if she doesn't have it, then I do want to wait until I'm not gonna give it to her. Um, because she also lives with roommates and everything, and, like, they, they already, they, they go outdoors, too, so.
1: They've been going outdoors, eh?
0: Yeah. I think she had, like, a hairdresser over today, which I think is, like, the example of, you know, ignorant behavior uh, in these times. But, yeah, so she she got it, and, uh, she got Animal Crossing. Yeah, so Crossing. Uh, yeah, so she... <laughs> So she um, was, uh, you know, recommending me to get it, and I, I got it since I probably won't be able to see her for a little bit, and yeah. it's, been, so I, it's been good.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's no reason that we should even discuss the differences of Animal Crossing versus the old ones, because at this point, everybody who, you know, is interested in Animal Crossing has it and knows the differences. And the people who don't have it and aren't interested, they don't care about the differences. Yeah. Um, it's a slow burn to start. Uh, but but at the same time, I always felt like there was enough to do every day in Animal Crossing. Um, what did you think? I feel like the slow drip of new things coming into your town like, is pretty exciting. And, and also it is maybe the one thing that gives me like a sense of normality right now where like a lot of the days are blending together because uh, I'm not leaving the house but there's something new in animal crossing every day yeah so <laughs> that's a, that's what I just like, said right it, it helps me maintain like a like a hold on you know the temporal rift
0: I feel like you're just backing up what I just
1: said but yes yeah
0: um it seems fine so far i feel like am i wrong in thinking that the island is small
1: yeah i think that it's bigger than uh maybe in the previous games bigger or at least uh the same size but i i was just thinking the other day about how big it is really it's big you think i feel like it's so small once you start packing it up with stuff i feel like it gets
0: oh yeah maybe you're right maybe it's like it just feels so small because i can walk across it in like 30 seconds but if there were you know stuff to do and i was walking in between you know interesting spots but i'm not really there yet um yeah
1: so how far into the game are you
0: i'm on the second day
1: uh okay so you don't even have like your 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 ability to like pole vault or i have pole vaulting the ladder do you have the ladder
0: no i don't have the ladder yet
1: i'm Mm -hmm. on the second
0: day i did everything that i think you would literally be able to do on the first day um so i like cleared every weed on uh, the area that I could actually go on to. Um, I got blathers. Like I, I gave enough um, like fishes and bugs to be able to get blathers and set up his tent. Um, I got all like the initial um, uh, tools and everything like that. And I don't know. I think I've, I, I paid off the debt of the first day I pay, with the nook miles um, yeah. and got the house. Rather than the uh, the tent, and now I'm on day two, so I've got the 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 pole vaulting thing, and um, I have. I like had...
1: the Nook miles.
0: Yeah, I I thought that was uh, very kind of Tom Nook to be to to say that you could pay it off by basically having fun. I guess it makes a little sense because it's like uh, you're beautifying this island and making the property worth something. So maybe if you make sure. it this like nice island resort rather than a uh uninhabited island mm-hmm. then it's like worth something and he kind of like owns it or whatever and owns you so sure it, it feels so, a little clunky though i i feel like
1: i have it feels like a old game but like a nintendo game in the I, same way that like splatoon feels clunky or something yeah
0: i don't know i i feel like i'm really constantly fighting the inventory
1: really Yeah, Yeah. I
0: don't know if I should just be... Maybe I should just really just get over it and just go to my house and just uglify it by dropping shit all over the floor, but...
1: For the time being, I mean, now that you have a house, you actually have, like, a massive storage that you can access when you go in your house.
0: Yeah, how do I... I think he said something about that.
1: I think it's, like, right on the D-pad. And you just can, like, dump everything into your storage. At some point... So one thing that happened uh, with everybody is that everybody sort of like uh, on the first couple of days didn't have anywhere to put like their fish and their um, bugs. So people were just like making these giant walls of fish and bugs like outside of Blather's tent. Uh, And and you're going to experience that soon too, where it's just like, you know, maybe you have like 40 assorted bugs and fish, but there's no museum for them yet. So you're just making big piles.
0: I, well, he's taking everything now that you know since he joined the island.
1: Blathers will only take uh, fifteen things.
0: Oh, okay, all right. And so, then, so yeah. Then you he's like,
1: "This is." Then he's like, "This is enough for a museum." Okay. And it's also it, it, it's crazy because it w- launched in um, you know, late March, and at the transition between uh March and April, the available bugs and fish are going to change. Okay. Which is which is fine. I mean. That means that some people who aren't like actively seeking out those bugs and fish are gonna have to wait a while to get them, but it also means that people are gonna see a a good variety mm-hmm. as they play.
0: Yeah, it seems good so far. I I, I do uh, think it's pretty good so far. I don't know. I've never been like a huge fan of Animal Crossing. I I understand nothing. They you don't have to have a goal, but um. I don't know. I, I find games like that sometimes a little bit like aimless. Like there's not really anything because there's no story or anything like there, there's, there's really nothing tying me into coming back, even though if I'm playing it, I'm enjoying it. But if I put it yeah. down, like there's nothing really that like, I don't know why I would care to.
1: For for me, it's just that I always have friends who are playing these games. So I just kind of like to build stuff to uh, show, like, off. show off. Yeah, okay. It's like pretty creative. I, bu- I put, like, my Path of Exile, like, uh, Exalted Orb hat into the game. And I put my favorite sweater in the game. So I just kind of get to run around looking like me. Oh, nice. And then some days I get to wear a safari hat. That's what I usually wear. Which I can't wear. do in real life. So, yeah, and I just like making weird rooms. I So far, I've actually liked being able to put furniture outside. Being able to put, like, beach chairs out on the on the sand and put down like lawn gnomes and yeah that and is pretty cool i guess that, that's house. one of the
0: new really actually new things right
1: uh in the early game yeah and then there's as the game goes on that you got you get access to some really cool uh tools that allow you to essentially like um terraform the island like uh you could you'll be able to like create new ponds and things like that and oh that's really cool yeah i think it. i had
0: seen something like that
1: you can make roads in the in the game you'll be able to do. So there's a lot of stuff. Uh, fences, yeah, it, it's uh, it's good. There are some things that are missing uh, from the game this time around, like uh, collectibles, like gyroids aren't in the game right now, which are one of my favorite things to collect. But they will be – I think that this game has a lot of legs. One thing that Nintendo has been working on, like, and they've been doing a really great job with over the last couple of years, is the way that they've been – uh, maintaining their games, especially games like Splatoon and Arms, uh, just with like a-, a ton of free content, like throughout like you know two years of maintaining them. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee they're going to do the same thing with Animal Crossing, where they're just going to like be slowly dripping out all sorts of stuff. And they already started, you know, they already started talking about that. There's a Easter event that's going to be like a week long that's going to come with some changes. All right, that's nice. Yeah, it's just nice to, it's nice to have this. It, it also reminds me of like, I like playing Nintendo Switch.
0: Yeah, I, I like the console. It it looks very pretty. I, I feel like um the, kind of, minor changes like I, the textures. I feel like Tom Nook has like these really cute fuzzy check textures and um, that like little stuff. I feel like the run animation is really good for like some of like the the villager animations.
1: Yeah, I love, sometimes the villagers will do like a Naruto run. I'm a big fan of that.
0: Oh yeah, I haven't seen that. Maybe maybe it's because I always have like something in my hands.
1: It's also fun, the uh, characters, sometimes they'll just like do yoga in yeah. front of Town Hall. But the character is, did you know that Animal Crossing has uh, more text in it than Infinite Gist? Like, wow. By double, like double the amount.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's easier to write text. I, I kind of was like, I was like enjoying Blather's text for a little bit, but then I was just getting frustrated at how like slow it is to speak to this idiot.
1: Everything in this game takes a long time.
0: It really this is. is like,
1: this is like the Red Dead Redemption of of Nintendo.
0: I know. Like, just get, like, I, I, I don't like to feel like impatient, like I should feel patient if I'm playing Animal Crossing, but it's like when I go to him and I'm trying to just do a simple thing, like give this guy a spider. He just, even if you tell him you don't want to hear him, it just, it's like a, seriously just feels like two minutes. It took
1: me forever to get the spider.
0: The spider? Wasn't, the spider wasn't too bad. I like that he hates the spiders and he just like, like, he
1: hates all the bugs.
0: He only says, yeah, he, he hates all the bugs, but he always says, um, uh, like I'll take good care of this wretched thing
1: or something like, yeah, even though I don't like it, I'll take good care of this wretched beast or. Yeah. That's so funny
0: that he, that he's like. Half of the thing, well, I guess a a third, um, if, you know, fossils and fish and bugs are equal, but, like, this huge thing that you are displaying in this museum you care so much about, like, and you have all this knowledge, you hate them. (laughs) You're not even mincing words. It's not even like you're like, oh, you know, bugs. Because I wouldn't say that I hate bugs. I don't want them near me. If If there was bugs behind... A glass wall in a museum i could find that interesting but if there's bugs in my house then i try and kill them i don't think that's hate
1: but if you did hate bugs would you display them (laughs) i don't think i would
0: (laughs) that that is seriously like an arachnophobe or something being like yeah i'm the manager of this uh uh like arachnid museum i hate them so fucking much but i'm still gonna put them in glass and take care of (laughs) them.
1: Someone has to take care yeah. of them and it should be. Me. Someone has to take
0: care of these wretched beasts. Yeah, so that's Animal Crossing.
1: It's good. It's uh it gets the job done. That's what I've been playing on the Switch, but I also I picked up Rune Factory 4 before um that came out. That game's alright. You ever play any of the Rune Factory games?
0: No, is that one of those like uh dungeon old school kind of like dungeon or map crawler things? Like it map. is a
1: it is it is a uh it's like Harvest Moon. Oh. But with like swords and magic and it's anime. It's anime Harvest Moon. All right. It's pretty good. Um, I think that it feels very old. And it is like, it's the most Japanese shit ever. So the way that this game starts is you are on an airship and people say something like, how do you feel about being on an airship? And if you say, this is awesome. Or you could say, we're pretty high up. If you say this is awesome, it makes you a boy, and if you say we're pretty high up, it makes you a girl.
0: Is that known to you? <laughs> so,
1: so that's a thing. Is
0: that known to you or what?
1: I think there's a it it asks you are, are you a girl when you, when you when you say that.
0: Wow.
1: So it gives you the chance to confirm, but it is yeah. So I was waiting for Animal Crossing to come out, so I played that in the interim. It's there's a dragon you can have a you could fall in love with, um and that probably tells you everything you need to know about the game.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Does the dragon turn into a human or is it a big stupid dragon?
1: Right now it's a big stupid dragon, but I bet it turns into a woman. That's great. Yeah. So one thing that was that's been kind of a bummer with this is that uh it has been hard to play board games. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to play Eclipse. Eclipse. A I want to play Eclipse so ago, badly. I, I just said no. No way. Yeah. No thank you. But, you know, Eclipse is Eclipse is available on Tabletop Simulator. And recently we played Gaia Project on there and it went really well.
0: Yeah, I got to get it's a, great a, because a, a comp, like actually with that because that's You don't have like... to set
1: anything up, which yeah. is great. You don't have to like put things away back in the box. Yeah. But you do have to be careful about accidentally throwing a piece and never being able to find it wow. because the floor is infinite.
0: Wow. That's bad news. It seems like you should be able to like, pull a piece from like a registry.
1: Also, it's, I think you can, I don't know how, because I wasn't the host. Also, I think that it's too easy to flip the table. Like, I feel like there aren't enough buttons required to flip the table. You can undo. So you can flip the table and then undo, but it takes a while. To undo flipping the table
0: i feel like that should be something that is by default toggled off like it seems kind of funny to well not funny to me that it's like if you're playing you know checkers or something then the idea of flipping the table is like it's kind of a funny thing and you could just like set it up or whatever and it's an okay moment maybe the first time But um yeah. if you're playing anything else that's just annoying. It's not it's not funny. I can't imagine that being a funny thing.
1: But yeah, so so Gaia Project was cool, but then I was finally able to convince Paul, "Let's play Civilization 6." And I have been playing so much goddamn Civilization, and it makes me realize that so many board games that are about building a civilization are trying to I- imitate Civilization and they're doing a bad job. Yeah that game is the best civilization board game yeah i think civilization board
0: games are hard to do by default because it requires a lot of time or like what what games can always do is um cut down on a lot of on a lot of time like like all the areas that it cuts time down is so important and if civ games are already lasting like 10 hours then a board game would last like 20 hours right the amount of stuff that you'd have to like set up this one thing, break this one thing down, uh, like, like the just, there's so many miniature things
1: and and we don't play it all at once. We've been playing it in like, um, chunks and it's actually like super digestible doing it, like doing a session of Civ and maybe getting through like a third of the game. Like it still feels good. And you probably know this about Civ, uh, every single turn you want to take another turn because something interesting is going to happen next turn. Um, I've never
0: played Civ, but...
1: So let me tell you a little bit about Civ, because first off, when I first played Civilization VI, I played one game of it, and then I was like, okay, I'm done with this. But after playing board games for a while, and, you know, uh, it was shortly after getting stuck in quarantine where I was like, let me fire this up again. And I cannot believe that there was a version of me that originally didn't like this, Maybe it's coming from board games, but like Civilization VI fucking rules. It is so fucking good. But the way that the game starts is first off, you're choosing a civilization. There's like 40 different civilizations and they all have like different unique powers, uh, all of which, you know, lean into certain victory conditions. Like India might be better at getting a religious victory, whereas Korea is better at getting like a science victory. They all have a uh, one or two unique combat units. Uh, And the thing that's really fascinating about the unique combat units is that you get different combat units throughout the game. Like, you know, at the start of the game, you have, like, warriors, and then you have people with slingshots, and later you get archers. So what's interesting about the different units is that it changes when the different civilizations are power spiking uh, for dominance, which is pretty cool. But you choose your civilization and your leader, And then you are sort of put into a randomly put together map, a procedurally generated map where there are all these like uh, different tiles and all the different tiles have different uh, resource values on whether they can give you food or production. And then also Smattered is like these strategic resources like uh, horses and uh, fish and crabs and mercury. And there are certain resources that you can't see or understand until you can until you have gone up like the tech track. So you might be next to oil, but you don't know until your people have researched what oil does, and that lets you see it. Um, So it's pretty cool because you could end up settling somewhere where maybe it seems like kind of a bad spot, but it has fresh water, and then later in the game you realize, oh, there was uranium here this whole time. So that's really exciting. Uh, The start of the game is actually really interesting because before you've like, run into other civilizations, just being able to, like, get the lay of the land, explore things. You run into, like, uh, these tribal villages where if you uh, put a scout over them, they'll give you, like, a tech boost or they'll give you extra gold. And as you explore the map, you're also finding these natural wonders, which are giving you, uh, like, really like these unique abilities if you settle by them. Like, there is this uh, mountain range where anytime one of your units walks by the mountain range. They have the ability to run over hills, which is something that they can't normally do. So, it is crazy because at the start of the game there's like all of these different opportunities and possibilities. And that's fascinating because otherwise what this game would devolve into is think about the start of Scythe where you essentially like the first 6 turns are like predetermined for you. Mhm. Like, oh, I'm going to settle. I'm going to build this, and then I'm going to move my guy this way. Uh, civilization like totally uh, skips that happening. like That doesn't happen just because of like the, the random elements of these are the resources that you're settling by. Oh, it looks like you settled by horses, which means that you should go up the animal husbandry de- track, which means that you could focus on getting early cavalry, which means that you can bully uh, this civilization uh, before the ancient era ends and it, it, it's it's just so cool like the style of the game is also really cool the way that like the different civilizations have like the different looking cities and you know the way that one civilization's like harbors might look different from another one it's uh it's stylistically s- so interesting for a topic that is seemingly dry oh, i like, wouldn't think i mean it's so fun Uh, Well, that
0: board games have definitely shown me that any topic can be not dry. Like if you like pipeline is so exciting and it's like the sale of oil Um, or like uh, one of the games I can't I won't even try and remember the name of it was just about like offshore drilling and it was a blast. But um, yeah, I should I mean, is it cross platform? I know you were playing it on
1: Switch. No, I'm playing it on PC.
0: All right. So I actually probably will download that since I have the time and I feel like I'm looking for other things. Actually, I'm almost yeah. You no, know,
1: usually I don't like advertising a G two A, so I won't advertise them. But I will tell you that if you're looking for a cheap copy of the game, you can get the Platinum Edition with all DLCs for forty dollars, which is a one hundred and twenty dollar value on Steam.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'll so do that. I got the. I.
1: It is so fucking good, and also. Uh, in the first game that we ran with Paul, uh, we just did a co-op game. Uh, so him and me and Charlene are on a team against AI. And the thing that feels really cool about it is that you're kind of still competing with one another because only one of you can trigger like the end game win condition. So like in this game, there are like five different ways to win. Uh, there's like you defeat everybody, you convert them to your religion, you get a cultural victory. You get a diplomatic victory or you um, go up the science track and send people to Mars. Um, You get people to to
0: follow your religion. I don't know.
1: Oh, so, yeah. It's like, you know how, like, there's like, if you think about like a dudes on a map game of like, uh, you know, you have units and my unit is fighting your unit. In, In Civilization VI, there's a second war that's always going on. And it's like a religious battle. But but the thing that's funny about the religious battle is that there aren't enough different religions for everyone to pick one up, which means that there will be some games where you're not going for religion. But like there are constantly like apostles in your city that are like essentially tugging on your arm in two directions that are like, he studies Protestant. He studies Confucianism. And there are like wars going on in your city between like these different apostles that you're just like not involved with. And it's like pretty funny. And then when you get into a real war with them, you can kill all their apostles and say that they're uh, a heresy.
0: Wow. It's like some Game of Thrones stuff before Game of Thrones Thrones got terrible.
1: It is. It is so interesting. Like the religion is actually so interesting just that it's like, it's just cool that there are like all of these different systems that are going on where like if somebody is trying to like space race, uh, you could put a spy into their like um, labs and like you can have the spy like disrupt their like, um, they're shipbuilding, like... Uh,
0: do they know, or like?
1: Dead. is there like a so check to like that is figure a great, out? That is a great question. Uh, and the way that it works is if you have a spy, you can use them to do counter spying, uh, where essentially it's like, a, you know, if I have a trap card and you try to play a trap on me, I can play my trap card. Uh, but essentially what happens when sabotage occurs is it will say somebody has sabotaged you, but you don't know who. And if you capture a spy... Uh, sometimes like a a spy's mission will fail and you don't get to know who they are, but sometimes you'll capture them if they fail like miserably. And in those cases, you actually find out who it was that was spying on you. And it's interesting because there are all these political implications. So think about like the most political game of TI you can have. And that's happening when you play Civilization with humans. And they do a really good job of imitating it when you're playing against, uh, computers, because one thing that's really fascinating about the computers in Civ is first off, they're very good at Civ. Like, and not only are they very good at Civ, but every civilization has a different AI where they have different things that they're going to try for, and they will like you differently depending on how you play. They all have agendas. So Genghis Khan, uh, likes to have a large cavalry and if somebody else has a bigger cavalry than they than he does, then he will not like them. And additionally to that, they also have these hidden agendas, so you can't figure everybody out right away. Uh, but if you get like spies in their base, if you establish like an embassy in their capital, then you can get more information about them and you know what their AI is trying to do. But it's interesting because like, it, let's say that you captured a spy of an AI player, like instead of having this conversation of like, uh, you know, with a friend of me like, hey, you spied on me, you have to pay up or I'm going to go to war with you. Essentially what happens is you're generating grievances. And a grievance is a reason to go to war without facing um, diplomatic um, pushback. So as people do things that are bad to you, you accrue grievances which you can spend to start a war uh, formally with them.
0: Yeah, so I'll download that.
1: It's fascinating. And the other thing that's fascinating is it is – Super involved, but it doesn't feel like too much. And in board games, I I think that it can get overwhelming to play a game like this. And I recently played Dominions 5. I don't know if I got a chance to talk about that here. I don't think so. Um, Dominions 5 is super, super complicated. It has like, I don't know, like 2,000 different spells, like 90 different civilizations, with every civilization having unique units. And it's just like a war game. It's absolutely insane. It's like a fantasy game. Uh, But Civilization somehow is super complicated without... It doesn't feel like you need to explore it unless you want to.
0: Well, I mean, there's so much that's like... uh, We've talked about this before, but there's so much that's given to it by being a video game. Like It can have just checks for... Here's the part in the round where you do this. Like you don't have to remember certain things like round structure or here's like uh the the options that you're that you're available to you right now or it or it does stuff uh like checks or random things in the background so you don't have to do some of those kind of things or or know certain things like I it's always it's it's always appreciated because you know obviously with a board game you really are just given these components and knowing the rules behind what makes the components Work is so important because yeah. you could just play board games incorrectly, whereas it's like one it's thing that I to... yeah,
1: and one thing that I love about Civ also is uh, it does a really good job of guiding the player. There are like a so there are two tech tracks. One of them is like a science track, and one of them is like a civics track. Civics track is essentially where you're learning like different aspects of government, government and things like that. Um, but one thing that's really cool is that they will recommend you some based on what's around you. Like, they'll, like, if you're by horses, they'll recommend you to take animal husbandry. And they'll also tell you, like, take this if you want a military victory, take this if you want to move towards culture. And my favorite thing in the game is actually uh, called tech boosting. And it's essentially everything in the game that you can research has a way to expedite the research. So when you're researching archery, if you kill an enemy with a slinger, with a slingshot, it'll boost your ability to research archery. It'll, you know, it'll cut the time in half. So it's kind of neat because if you see something like, maybe you're like, oh, I really want to do chemistry, it sort of gives you this short-term goal of, let me boost chemi- chemistry so that when I get there, I can achieve it more quickly. And that's one of my favorite things about the game is the tech boosting. And just the fact that every game of it feels so different uh, with all of the different civilizations that are available. My favorite one is the Maori. Uh, you know, that's the indigenous people of New Zealand, uh, and they actually their people start on the water. So you actually you don't start on land; you start on the water, and essentially you sail. And they're given like an extra unit to start with uh, because they don't settle early, but they get to start with um, like boats, which is something that nobody else can do, and it's an absolutely like crazy power. And every civilization, in some way, has like a crazy power. Um, but it's also a game that they've been, you know, balancing and working with for years.
0: Yeah, it's a it's the Tekken of yeah. all board games.
1: Yeah, in no a way. Uh, so that's Civ Six, and that's a lot of Civ Six.
0: Yeah, I've been playing Doom, uh, Doom Eternal. Oh, Doom Eternal. Uh, yeah, I've
1: heard some mixed things about it. What do you think?
0: Um, I don't know why it would be that mixed. Um, if you played Doom twenty sixteen, then that's pretty much it. I haven't played the multiplayer. I know that it largely focuses around like, uh, Doom Slayer, and then other people are the, um, like, demons, uh, but uh, I think it's, at least from a gameplay perspective, it's a straight-up, uh, improvement. It really feels good. Um, there is nothing like what they're doing with Doom. It's really just so unique, and uh, they are making this, like, unbelievably fast-paced arena shooter that puts so much Power into your hands, but it's it, it it the the they they make you think about um, everything that's happening in this really interesting way that I I wonder if other designers don't think about. I was watching like these developer documentaries. Uh, about how they, they they develop monsters or demons in the game and okay. that they're developing them in such a way that it's like this uh, where... We, so they made this one a new demon that's never been in any of the games called a Whiplash. And uh, it, it is like kind of like a Medusa-ish kind of thing not that doesn't petrify or anything like that, but kind of like a snake lady. And it slithers around on the ground. And the purpose of it, they were like, we want this because it's going to be really scary and it's going to make you watch the ground. Like, because it's going to get down and it's going to have a really low profile, that will cause you to look at the ground. And because you're looking at the ground, other stuff can be, like, creeping in and and hitting you. And you won't be dodging all these projectiles because you'll start focusing on the ground. Or that this thing can kind of, like, easily get behind you and how much, like, kind of pain and frustration that causes. So what they do is such a good thing is as they're introducing these enemies, the enemies have, like, these very... um, Obvious counter but in a big hectic match of like, or I mean, not in a match, but like in in a, a a room that becomes like this big death match where just everything is spawning in. You're having to like take into account in those moments like how to fight each individual demon while other demons are shooting at you, running at you, and stuff like that. So it just gets so hectic, but your your options are so uh, incredible in this game. Um, they I feel like they did uh, even better job than they did before of balancing everything. Like, there's so few, uh, there's so there's so the ammo is so scarce. And in a game like this, you'd think that like that's a weird design choice. Like, you'd think that they'd want you to just go crazy and unload everything, but they're forcing you to use, you know, obviously use the different guns. So if you're if the, instead of having a favorite gun, you're being forced to to play with all yeah. the other guns. And they're also making you use other stuff like uh, if you get an enemy low enough in Doom 2016, you could do this thing called a glory kill. They basically like flash in the stagger animation. And if you melee them during it, then you'll do like a really gross, visceral um, like kill. And it'll, if you time it right, you can drop ammo as well. Like it'll drop ammo and health. And also, there's a chainsaw. And if you have uh, like you, you pick up these like gasoline to actually use a chainsaw. So it, it's everything is so limited in such a way that a regular fight will look like, you know, you almost dying, just barely getting a glory kill to get a little bit of health to back off, to be able to, like, run out of all your ammo, to get a chainsaw kill, to get enough ammo to, like kill the next two things to glory like everything is just feels so purposeful and amazing when it's moving around and i think that i i don't remember if they did but the movement is even better i feel like because you like how i heard
1: that yeah i I heard some people say that maybe there's a bit too much platforming like a bit too much of an emphasis on it what do you think
0: no i kind of like it um there is there is like uh some platforming segments but it's nothing is like so tight that that you're uh, like lining up exactly how to do stuff perfectly and it kind of feels so well like the sound effects and everything are so good i don't remember there being um like as much wall climbing is like a big thing um but uh even like the sound effect of that like you'll like you have like these like air dashes and if you air dash at okay. a wall that has like climbing path then there's just, like loud grunt as you like slam against it like everything in like the sound effects the the, the way that they animate everything, the gun, like, the muzzle flashes, the demons, the visceral kills, like, they really did such a phenomenal job with all that. Um, I, I can't imagine really having—I think the worst thing that I could imagine anyone realistically saying, in, in the case that you liked Doom 2016 about this game— Which I don't think, I don't understand if someone doesn't like it. If you don't like first person shooters, I get it. But to like find anything that bad, like it's. Uh, Yeah,
1: I mean, I also heard that the. uh, And this is a a Jeff Gerstmann complaint. um, But I heard that the humor is maybe a little bit too uh, heavy handed in this one.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's for me the one thing that kind of bums me out a little bit. That's where I get. Because I'm. Like I said, I think the gameplay is just a a just vertical step up it's it's much improved and i already thought doom 2016 was unbelievable like unbelievable gameplay um i don't even usually play games like that anymore that are like these single player games that aren't even about story that are just like the they gameplay hardly is that make good these anymore what? right
1: they hardly they hardly even make these i mean the closest yeah. i could think of is like wolfenstein
0: yeah it's kind of it's weird like there's like games why would I want to play a game like this in a, in a lot of cases? I mean, like, I understand why I play something like Zelda. I, I I like the puzzly aspect. I like getting a new thing that helps me solve puzzles. But just a shooter that has, like, almost no story, like, I just don't understand why I would like yeah. that in a lot of cases. And I feel like just the gameplay is so unbelievably good that it, it, it pulls you from section to section. But in, in Doom 2016, what I really loved about it was that the humor was a lot more subtle and uh, especially like they didn't do that much of it. In in the beginning, you just kind of seem like you're playing as this angry, violent, like un- angry, angry, violent person. And by the end, like if you read some of the codex stuff uh, and get into some of the lore, then it starts talking about like how everything is so afraid of you. And that like, they are like all the, it kind of almost paints it like demons actually aren't that bad, but they're like horrified of this God that like this, this, the Doom Slayer that comes around and just like is just this unstoppable murder machine. And it was a little bit more subtle the way that they kind of made you be this like in the lore, this like unstoppable force of nature. And in this one, they they really force that. A little bit more down your throat and like do it in in a way that is like it doesn't didn't make me like like i in in doom 2016 there were literally times where i like laughed out loud as like a physical response to like just like how dumb and apeshit the character acts and then to hear and then especially when they start to like you know vilify and and make him as this like demonic force and the demons are saying that about you like i found that really really funny and like i would actually have like a really good reaction to that and i feel like in this game they're they're still doing that same thing so that's also not as new or unique and they're they're doing it more heavy-handed for sure like there's like a lot of like there's this one part where i'm like in these like laboratories and there's logs with this like scientist that is like the Doomslayer is the angel that has come forth to bring the doom. Up. Like, she starts out being, like, a very, uh, very scientific in all the first logs you're finding where she's like, you know, we, we, we're we facing a threat, and we don't know what will be able to stop it, but we're saying that, that there is this this uh, this force, but, uh, you know, this great avenging angel, but I don't buy it. And then, like, through, as you're listening to the logs, she starts to be more, like, almost referring to him in, like a like, a religious manner of, like... Like like he the Doomslayers come here to lay forth the demon like it it's it's a little bit too much like it it doesn't they like lay it on too thick and I I haven't really gotten the reaction and that was what I was kind of hoping for because in, in in Doom twenty sixteen that was maybe one of my favorite takeaways was just this like hilarious character that they made out of it how seriously they they took him um, and it feels like now that they like. Like if if in the first one it was like they took it so seriously but they knew it was a joke and now it's like they know we know it's a joke so it's just a little bit too much. But uh but I don't know everything else is it's really um, uh unbelievably solid single-player game i think that's really hard to say in a lot of cases like doom 2016 i remember i recommended on the podcast like even if you weren't going to touch multiplayer that for 60 dollars, this is a game you could play for 10 hours and be like i got all my money's worth that's unbelievable and i could imagine people jumping back in just because the game is so full of um like secrets and secret pathways and upgrades like
1: you are upgrading and there's a lot of difficulty levels
0: yeah there's a lot of difficulty levels i'm playing on like ultra violence or something I i don't even remember but um or hurt me plenty i think that's the the one that's like up from uh like there's like normal and then if you lose a die a bunch then there's like baby mode or something um but but i'm playing like the hard difficulty um, but yeah, there's so there's tons of stuff to do. I could imagine sons of people being really interested yeah. in it because like you're upgrading the suit multiple times, you're upgrading your grenades, you're upgrading, uh, you have like runes to turn on that give you different invite in fight benefits, mm-hmm. you're up every gun has two different weapon mods, and then the mods can be upgraded three times. And if they're upgraded three times, you unlock a quest to do a certain thing. And if you do it enough, it upgrades that, like it's insane how many upgrades there are and like kind of how much permutation there is to uh play style. So I love that. I, I think so overall, like it's good. Yeah. I, I don't regret it at all. I think like it, it I would be hard pressed to say even the uh, issues that I have, I don't think that they mean much on a grand scale because it's just really enjoyable. Um, It just plays cool. so well. Like I, I have no idea. Like it's just, it's ridiculously eminently fun
1: right on. Have you played any of the, uh, new team fight tactics?
0: Um, I played, I, I downloaded team fight tactics on, uh, iOS and I was, uh, uh, really unimpressed. It was awful tremendously. Mm. I just don't feel like it, it really looks like they, and I don't know why, cause riots, a, I, I think they're a very good company, but it, it looks like they just kind of like, uh, like ported it over without any consideration to it being on a phone. Like it, it just, it kind of looks uglier. It doesn't even, I think there's like black bars because the uh, settings aren't right. Uh, Like the actual, like, and then it just, other than that, like, I feel like there's so many quality of life features that should be added before it comes to like a a real launch.
1: That's strange. I I didn't feel that way. Uh, The UI looks good. I don't know if it's like an Android versus iOS thing. One thing that like kind of I did have a problem with is that I, I feel like the mobile game in Galaxies, uh, that's the new season. It's Teamfight Tactics Galaxies. I feel like it's for people who have played the game on PC and already know what they're doing.
0: Um, that's another. Like, so so I, I, I in, there are
1: readability in- issues.
0: So that's kind of what I'm saying, right? Like the quality. Like I, I think that it, it really just looks like this weird PC port that was thrown onto a tiny screen, and it just doesn't work for a lot of reasons. Um, uh, so my, f- I still play, um, ch- uh, Chess Rush, uh, sure. t- to the to this day, uh, like it has been like the, it has been for however half a year or plus, um, like the game that I, I play with my LTCP. And she absolutely loves it, and I I love it too. So I'm happy for the times that she wants to play. Like I have no problems with that. Um, that game is just uh, I, I I thought it was the best at the time, and I I still kind of do in a lot of ways. Uh, the the ways that it it handles readability is incredible, and it, and uh, team fight tactics. There's I think there's too much that you have to know beforehand, um, because Uh, like even talking about like the way that items work, um, the way that items work in Teamfight Tactics is like, you can drag, uh, items to kind of together to combine items. Yeah. And, uh, I think that's a really sloppy kind of thing. Like it's kind of that, that's something that definitely requires, uh, an understanding uh, of the game more than the way that Chesh Rush does it. So Chesh Rush's items are just stack on each other. Um, and, uh, they provide one single benefit up until they've stacked up until you've got four of them on the same character. And then when you do that, it, it unlocks like a secret thing. So an example is like, uh, there's a weapon that increases attack speed by 30% by plus 30. Then it, then the second time it's plus 45, the third time plus 75. And then the fourth time you, you put it on the same character, uh, it'll turn it into like having a chain lightning attack. Um, so that's something that like. It, it, and the, and the, the the game even like recommends you put it on certain characters that that make sense. The game recommends certain um, builds as you're going. Um, I think that there are like th- some of the uh, team compositions or the abilities make a little bit more sense to me. And with um, team fight tactics, you really have to know like there's certain things where you have to set up your board in a way to make it so that it doesn't like detri- like like negatively affect you there's just so much to know beforehand I feel like it's a little bit much especially on that screen like I just feel like and there should be maybe like better tutorials or yeah
1: I'll say this though whenever I play team fight tactics it makes me want to go back to playing League of Legends because I just love that cast I I think one of galaxies too. I think that the galaxies coat of paint uh makes this harder to play
0: it re- that, so that was another thing is like the uh the I think that is a really cool idea, and I I don't want to shit on them for it because I like that they are taking this very... I I think it's a very drastic approach, right, to balancing seasons where um, they're, like, changing out the ways that characters even look, you know, with the skins. But um, it kind of does make me miss just uh, the classic designs. Like, graves is graves, right? And then to have, you know, space pirate graves is, like... I don't know. It's a little weird. And some of the, uh, like a lot of the, um, like celestial or star chaser kind of characters just have a lot going on in a way that like, it's fine when you're buying a skin and it's flashy, but I think, um,
1: and in league, they're all, you can read all the characters. Like, you know who all the characters are, uh, by their, by their stance. But, and that works on PC. It's fine. But on phone, it is just, uh, like I said, if you know, these characters already, if you're used to them, uh, you can pick this up on mobile, no problem. But if this is your first exposure to Teamfight Tactics, your first exposure specifically to Teamfight Tactics Galaxies, then you're probably not going to be able to tell the difference between like a Lux and a Zoe.
0: Yeah, those, there there's a couple characters that looked a little bit too similar. But also, um, I'm someone who did play... I didn't play mm-hmm. Galaxies or whatever, but I, I, I started playing... Um, uh, uh, what what is What is the term? I'm forgetting the term of this game auto chess or whatever with uh, with team fight tactics and um, really fell in love with it. And this, like the mobile port is just not working for me. So um, like, I, I, I know it works on PC and it's not working on the mobile port. I just feel like it's like a really sloppy conversion and they, they could do a lot better to make it look better, run better. um, Be a little like text, be a little bit larger, um, you know, show you the information that you should be seeing um, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, you know, one thing I, I said before about, um, Chess Rush that I, I, that kind of makes it hard for me to go to other, um, uh, auto chess games is that in Chess Rush, uh, the characters start out very simplistic and instead of just getting like kind of larger or an aura, they, um, complete, like their, their character model changes. Like they'll get yeah. larger, their armor will change, their weapon will like completely change and add like spikes and glow and stuff like they look cooler. And then by the time that they're like the third, um, evolution of it, they, they look like menacing on the battlefield. And that's, that's adds to like, kind of being cooler. And I think with, um, with, uh, team fight tactics, there's always been something that I've missed where you just kind of like get larger or like glow a little bit, but it doesn't look like, and they have skins, right? Like, I don't think it would be that hard to do, like, Graves is Graves, and then when you get him to level 2, like, he he gets a different skin. And then when you get him to a third level, like, he gets a more extravagant skin.
1: I do think that that might... I mean, I, I know what you're saying. I, I think that that might even overcomplicate figuring out who is who.
0: Maybe, but I mean, uh, like, auto... Like, um, Chess Rush does it, and uh, maybe they wouldn't be able to use League of Legends skins because maybe they're a little bit too different, but... um at least for Chess rush like you know like you don't have to if you're if you're getting one of these characters earlier in the game and someone gets a higher level rank character of that same type like you would recognize it instantly you would just notice that like oh they've got like you know more armor extra or fins. yeah they got extra fins sure uh right. so yeah i still i still really like that game too um and I that, really that like, genre uh, is not done for me
1: yeah i really like um path of exile still yeah Uh, The new release for it, um, Delirium, uh, has, I think, the most impactful change to characters that has been put in the game uh, maybe ever, which is uh, these new uh, cluster jewels, where essentially they are an item that you put into the passive tree, and it extends the passive tree uh, with new abilities. So if you put in one that is like elemental based, then it'll give you uh, passives that are giving you elemental damage, and if you roll them, it's going to change the different like notable abilities on it. So you might get an ability that's like uh, 20% damage on burning enemies, 20% damage on shocked enemies, 20% damage on you know chilled enemies, which is really good if you could apply all of those debuffs at once. Uh, it's also really neat because it gives you a way to like access parts of the tree that maybe would be more difficult for you to do before. So you could get uh cluster jewels that are focused on like health and then you don't have to go like across the tree to get the health wheel near the scion area. Okay. Um,
0: That's kind of cool. I, 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 guess that I, I could see from a less uh, hardcore standpoint, why that would be interesting because that would open up a lot of, unique options uh oh, and instead they of being don't drop more rarely. Rigidly.
1: which is nice they don't drop rarely and right. you can kind of craft them out yourself which means that this isn't something that only like super high level players are gonna get yeah it's um, always good. so i think that's uh there are some new uh spells in the game that are really neat i don't want to go into too much detail about them because if you're not playing path of exile you probably don't care uh but one of them is a support called spell And essentially, it is a support jewel where whenever you do an attack with your wand, uh, the Spellslinger ability will trigger. So if you put Spellslinger on Glacial Cascade, then whenever you do a wand attack, a Glacial Cascade will pop out. Um, And it is also interesting because it makes it so that those abilities scale with your wand attack damage in addition to your spell damage. which opens up uh, some pretty unique build options, um, and it doesn't make it so that you sort of like have to split between like your wand attack and your spells. Uh, you get to scale them both at the same time. Okay. Uh, so I just wanted to give uh, that a quick shout out. The league itself not very interesting. The new changes are interesting. So I think that's I what I heard. I think I heard, I think for, I heard negative. Yeah
0: things about the actual league and then people being like but the overall game is in a better spot
1: yeah fair weather players can sit this league out and wait for the next big exciting league where they'll get to enjoy all the fruits of this league and then whatever comes next yeah what else have i been playing i've been you know i i played this this game called gordian quest that i think you would like gordian gordian quest It is a neat little roguelike light deck builder tactical strategy game uh, where, uh, you know, think about Slay the Spire. I'm trying to remember this other game that is like, hmm. There's a game that came out such, it was like, it predates Slay the Spire. But there was this game, it was a deck builder. But the unique hook of it is that, was it Fate Hunters? No, the unique hook of it was that in addition to being a deck builder, there were items that you would equip, and the items that you equip would also grant you new cards. So the thing that's unique about Gordian Quest is that in addition to having this like Slay the Spire esque like deck building thing, you're also equipping you items like you can equip like uh, greaves, and the greaves will give you like a dash ability, which will let you move and uh, get armor. Uh, you are playing as multiple characters, and they are on like a grid, and the different attacks that are in your deck have uh, different like ranges and rows that they can affect. So you're playing with a lot of different things. You're, you're. I, I think that the closest thing that I could compare it to is let's say Slay the Spire meets uh, Darkest Dungeon, okay, in terms of the gameplay, where. Not only are you dealing with deck building, but you're also dealing with like the positioning of where you are. You know where enemies are going to attack, uh, where you know like this enemy is going to try to attack this row, uh, or they're going to try to attack the frontmost person. So you can like move your tank there and have them use like their shielding abilities and things like that. Mm -hmm. And in addition to synergizing the deck of uh, a single character, of like, okay, I'm going to build my mage to have like the synergy of ice. You might also build like your cleric to uh, buff your mage in a specific way, um, and that's pretty cool. So far, it has uh, six character classes, which is a lot, and they're planning on adding like another ten. Um, what this is this game, even
0: on? I don't remember you saying.
1: Ste- Steam. All this right. is a Steam early access game. Uh, it is pretty robust, um, but it is an early access game, and it is definitely a game where. You could wait on it, and when it releases, I think that it will be insane because the game has a lot of potential. And I actually kind of dig the style. I think it it's a pretty good-looking game, and it has a lot going for it. So Gordian Quest, if you're looking for something that's like, say, this fire, um, this, this is kind of that, but a little bit more, a little bit different.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I saw that on the main Steam page. Um,
1: that just came out on Friday. It's good. I've been yeah. playing it. I'm into it. Um, what else have I played? I've played so much.
0: I was playing a little bit of CSGO. Getting yeah, ready for, I saw that. Yeah, I was
1: playing Apex Legends. Uh, I, I just CSGO? downloaded uh, that I, I, uh,
0: again. But, uh, I, I CSGO, feel like there's
1: nothing you could tell me about CSGO that would um, surprise me.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so, because they're still cheaters. It, oh, it, yeah.
1: Oh, that was the fucking worst part about that, CSGO. That was... <laughs> Like it, I, I like so. Galloway had downloaded
0: CS:GO, and he's like, "I'm kind of having a, a good time with it, and it's interesting." And I, I think he got interested through Valorant because Valorant yeah, is. I don't yeah. think we really. I don't know if we. We definitely have never talked about this actually. Um, no. you know, Riot has their big upcoming tons of new games kind of coming out, and uh, they're they've never kind of done anything like this. They're they're releasing all these games, um, and I think they're trying to, uh, release Valorant in. Uh, summer and there's a closed beta test coming April seventh. Um, so Valorant is a uh, hybrid. It's kind of like it looks like something you've seen before, like Overwatch. So it's like a first person shooter with um, characters that you're playing as, like hero characters that have abilities. Yeah, I I do I understand what you're saying. Like I definitely think I definitely agree. Like I first of all I think it looks a lot like Paladins, which is a negative thing. Yeah. Right? Like they, oh, there's yeah. there um the colors are i don't even know what it is it's like maybe they're too vibrant and they don't also match so it's like you're getting these like fantasy green like pasture colors mixed with like you know lots of like wooden boxes kind of stuff but then you've got like guns so like there's no aesthetic like there's absolutely no aesthetic and it's fine to have different maps that have different aesthetics but there should still be something at least like tying it all together like there's a difference between having an aesthetic that like bounces around between different types, like having, you know, those like, like a a frozen level and, you know, uh, here's like a a desert level and just having like, almost seemed like it was being designed by different teams. Like every aspect of it looks designed by different teams. Um, I think a lot of that is pretty early. I I respect them if they're going to say that, um, you know, we're going to launch it and it's going to be, Playable and everything is going to be working fine by summer, but like this is uh, a beta, so we're gonna re- we're gonna really be head like after that comes out, we'll be looking more at balance, and then we'll be changing like the textures and yeah. making stuff look better. I-, I I do believe that they'll do. I a bet good the game going to be
1: really good. I'm sure. Like I trust Riot so much because so far they have a hundred percent track record on making good games.
0: Yeah. Um. But they are doing they're they're doing something very unique with it. It's not uh, like Overwatch or anything like that because it's more gun focused. Um, and nothing has ever played like this because it's going to be more like Counter Strike. Um, I talked about because I I liked Counter Strike for a while and I was playing a lot of Counter Strike. And Counter Strike is this weird thing where um, gun spread is like here. This is like a weirdly important part of Counter Strike is that gun spread. Uh, happens and is based on you know how long you're holding down the trigger, movement. Uh, if you're jumping, if you're getting shot, um, but uh, the it doesn't work like in other games where the camera might be moving up. Uh, like the gun always points at one where you're pointing it at. Um, so you like at a high level start to learn how to control that and how to spray, but like look down at the ground and then know that like the spread at this point is firing up and to the left. So, um, it's just really complicated thing. Like counter-strike is really a game where even though a machine gun that's, that has, you know, 30 bullets in a magazine or whatever, um, can kill you in, in one shot to the head. Uh, it's hard to fight people like these, like the, 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 the gunplay can be so quick. Um, just like one tap to the head and so much of the game like really does require this like high level of skill and precision and that's what's kept it alive for so long but man counter-strike is so mismanaged by valve and it's it's weird because we i was playing counter-strike and talking about it on the podcast when we were still like in your house and recording like in your room and i was excited about like all the possibilities, the high level of skill, how interesting it is. Every single Counter Strike moment, which how do people move around on the map? Which points do you hit? Do you like wait till this moment, move in at this moment, and then down to the individual moments that like how did this one person kill three enemies in the same room because they like controlled the gun spread to this insane degree? They they knew exactly how to like where to put the crosshair. To point at the ground at this point in time because if they were jumping then it would make it so that the first bullet shoots out at this angle and all this crazy shit and I really love it I really really like the way that guns feel and how like amazing it feels to get a kill in Counter-Strike when you really do start to understand these it is, yeah, it's concepts. a game
1: of high highs, but... Uh,
0: but the it, lowest lows all the time, because Valve is terrible, and they've done a terrible yeah. job managing it. I don't even, like, it It makes sense to me, like, I I just, I can't imagine playing this game for this, for, for, you know, 10 years plus, even before it comes to Go, and putting up with this shit. Like, why do I have to constantly, out of galway and i were playing yesterday uh we played one game that was him and i with like five bots versus like one enemy with five bots and that was you know kind of boring and shitty and we're like let's try again so we went into dust 2 and it was like literally hackers on both teams like not trying to hide it walking around looking at the floor and then in one frame they would like jolt up headshot you and look back on the floor then i was i was watching like we were on different teams so i was watching the hacker on his team was just completely like watching people through walls like you could watch his cursor following people through the walls
1: so that i remember i remember the early days of apex legends and it being bad and you know apex legends is a free game so it it makes sense that you know when they came out that they would have a lot of hackers but
0: yeah but they they've like i i largely i think that i remember this has
1: gotten better yeah in the
0: early days we that was a problem and you know that one hacker could ruin the game and it would be very obvious they would probably be like flying around the map and shit like just like sliding around and yeah
1: the apex hacks were so good they were
0: yeah they were they were they were were pretty obvious and they were pretty obvious and funny but um uh like i i don't I don't understand why, if, if that's not that much of a problem for Apex anymore, why is one of the largest games in the world? Counter Strike just recently apparently got its highest concurrent uh, players of all time. Like, what is happening, guys? Like, why? I know the game is free and I understand
1: that, but there and still most has to be. People hacking it probably, right? Because of the chance to get money out of the game, right? But what's. Hacking, does hacking lead you to getting more knives?
0: Uh, I, I don't understand, like, so, given, the, like, what hacking really, I, I, I'll never understand it, but I, I don't even understand it, I don't, I don't understand it less for Counter-Strike, because if you're going to go into the game and blatantly hack, then what's going to realistically happen is that, first of all, a lot of people are going to try and kick you off the team, so if you have, if you're playing with, like, actually, you know, real, like, not-asshole players, like adults or something, I guess, um, they'll want to kick you off the team. Because even if you're on the team with the hacker, it's just not fun. They just fly around a lot of times. Like, they, they, they kill everyone in one shot. It just, they just completely make the game unfun. Um, so you'll probably get kicked out of a lot of games. Um, your account will probably get banned pretty quickly. Um, and then you'll have to start over again. So I just, I don't understand the point of, especially when you're, you're not even playing ranked, right? So, so like, we're, we're playing in casual matches, and there'll be, like, sometimes two or three hackers in a single match. And then we're reporting them and then you know in a couple days they'll get banned but why for now am i having to deal with that and why do they want to do that what is enjoyable about this process for them they download you know hacks or whatever then they start an account then they're going into these meaningless like casual games that have no bearing on the account that you're playing on so you're not really like you started this new account because you got banned and now you're going to play with this another other, another account for, like, two days before getting banned or whatever it is. And in the meantime... Imagine
1: it's, like, prank calling.
0: You're just, like, ruining this I game. Yeah, I guess so. Like, you just take pleasure in the fact that, like, your existence here is wasting simultaneously, if it's eight-on-eight eight or whatever, like, you're wasting 15 other humans' time while they're there because they're just not enjoying it. Like, you can maybe the parts of the map that you aren't on people have an okay, you know, fight on that part of the map and then you just come and ruin it. And I don't get it. I don't get what the purpose of it is. And it really does feel like it's Valve's fault though because I can't imagine that I I'm not a developer, but I can't imagine that you should be doing this bad of a job, right? Like you cannot possibly be doing this bad of a job. And and like you said like Apex is free and you don't we don't have those issues like it's it's not, that's I'm sure that's something that like every once in a while happens but it's not as like overblown because they they did a better job with anti-hack and you know like uh really clamping down on that. It feels like what is it about Counter-Strike that Valve is so doing such a horrendous job with How are they doing such a poor job?
1: I don't know. I will tell you this. Apex Legends still a very good game.
0: Yeah, I've just finally finished patching it and maybe we'll play it later but
1: it so, the point being, I played this, like,
0: five years ago or whatever now, four years ago, I guess, and I really loved it, and I think it is a game that almost—it it makes me feel like a fighting game in a shooter for how, um, like, precise and how you can look at, like, like not necessarily frame data, but stuff like understanding the way that sprays work or the way that maps work or, you know, the, the kind of strategies that can be used are— so complex and so much about this like kind of oaky and skill and everything like that like the like you know doing that kind of like knowing that spray or like tapping with a ak as you like leap around a corner and you know flick a headshot is the kind of thing that is similar to knowing you know a one frame link and having that down something that's like you can look at and be like incredibly impressed by people doing But I remember like you played it for a little bit and you were having a good time and we even played some rank together and you ended up like completely getting off of it. And it was around that like also caused my downfall with it because you realize that like, you know, there's hackers and because of hackers, you always have to be kind of afraid that anyone is hacking. So when someone makes like a really good play, like because you're seeing a hacker in almost every game or every other game at the very least then when someone does something good in the game, it kind of, like, in, inherently leads me to believe, like, did, yeah. did I make a mistake, or is that person hacking? And and you yes. don't want to feel like that. You don't want to feel like you have to blame, like, the game every single time. Yep. And
1: so... Yeah, you nailed it. That's how that how it. is that happening?
0: So anyway, you know, to return to the original point, um, I am really excited because Valorant despite how ugly it, it really does look, like you said, and I think, you know, the textures are not there and the game has, like, literally no cohesive style and really just looks bad. If Even those gameplay trailers, they get me really excited because it, it has that similar level of, like, just very slower momentum and methodical and you watch as someone's firing the gun and they start, you know, they even, like, literally pull the gun down the way that people would spread control, on different guns in counter-strike and yeah. that t-
1: the concept art is good though
0: yeah the concept art is good i think it'll get there and i have also
1: the main thing that they're talking about is like uh,
0: anti-cheat they're and
1: anti-cheat they are so like their connection
0: you know that was the thing too is like the 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 things that get me excited for it is that when you listen to that sales pitch on Valorant they hit the right notes. They're not they they didn't just say like hey we're doing a hero shooter and the focus is more on guns. So it's like a little bit of Counter-Strike. Also it has the um buying and economy system like Counter-Strike. So we're focus we're making a hero shooter and we're focusing it more on how the guns play rather than necessarily the heroes and also this like round to round economy system. And you could look at the trailer and see that it's like Counter-Strike. But what they what they chose to focus on is like we like these games and we hate some of the things that happen in these games we hate the way that like um you know uh due to -to peer-to-peer um matchmaking everything like that or, or not having you know servers what can end up happening is that someone turns a corner and they kill you before you've seen them on the map because like they shot you through what looks like they shot you through a wall, but what really happened was, like, you turned a corner and you saw them before they could see you. Yeah, that's stuff called, like that. uh,
1: it's called Peekers, Peeker's Advantage.
0: Advantage. Yeah, so stuff like that can happen. Um, so they're, they're trying to get rid of that. They're trying to have more stable servers. They're talking about uh, anti-cheat and installing that. And for the closed beta, they're talking about how um, they're going to have you um, install an anti-cheat, and it's, like, a big, like malware software that you have to like you know download restart the computer and everything so like not allowing you to even get the game running before the game checks for you having like their proprietary anti-cheat is really good news
1: but this also reminds me of like overwatch beta stuff because when this is april 7th happens it's a closed beta right so not everyone's gonna get the chance to play it and they've linked it to you watching uh people play it on twitch yeah which is fine but i don't know it's some real uh hype generating way to go about it which is you know whatever
0: yeah i understand
1: i I just don't plan to play it next week because who knows if it'll actually happen uh i've still been playing call of duty yeah i I was i was almost thinking about it is a game that definitely has peeker's advantage yeah um but also, it is—it's way dumber than Counter Strike in a good way. Yeah, that's uh, fine. It is.
0: Every game doesn't have to be like Counter Strike. In fact, no other game should be like Counter Strike, except for Alan. One
1: thing that's great is that, like, uh, you know, I was able to leave Apex Legends for a while, uh, go into Call of Duty, and the shooting is like—it's it's all just shooting, right? So when I went back to Apex Legends, I was just as good or better than I was because I just played so much Call of Duty. Um, They also recently released a Battle Royale mode, um, which made me really appreciate how good Apex Legends is. And I think that the thing that Apex Legends has over Battlegrounds, uh, maybe not over Fortnite, I think that Fortnite does this well too, is that there's a real uh, dynamicism to the battles, where there is so much thinking that happens um, in Apex Legends. And with uh, Fortnite, where your ability to disengage and reengage is so powerful um, that you and you don't get that in games like uh, Modern Warfare or Battlegrounds. And part of it is just that your there are more limitations on what you can do.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, because Call of Duty is it is a shooter, uh, and there are no there's like no ifs ands or buts about like that. There's no like, you don't really get any abilities like. You could call airstrikes. You could like put out a drone here or there, but like for the most part, the person who has better positioning uh, and can shoot is going to win. Uh, and that's not to say that the battle royale isn't doing interesting things. Uh, they have a way to get back into the fight where if you die early in the battle royale mode, you're sent to uh, a prison where you have to 1v1 another player, and whoever wins that 1v1 gets sent back into the world.
0: That means that there's a lot of... Can that only happen once? If you die again, do you go back to 1v1 world?
1: No, if you die twice, you're out. What and happens if, you if you there's an unequal amount is... of people? Um, the game will... You mean, like, what if there's... Uh... Well, first off, once the game gets, like, close enough toward the end, like, the gulag stops happening... And if you die and nobody else dies for you to 1v1, and you're sitting in there for a minute, it'll just send you back into the game. Uh, otherwise, your teammates can revive you. Uh, this is a... Right now, there are uh, three-player squads, and there are solos, and they're adding in duos soon. Mm-hmm. And it's 150 people, and the map is way too big.
0: Yeah, I heard from Galway that like if you want to play regular first-person shooter deathmatch, then go to COD. And if you want to play Battle Royale, then just go to Apex.
1: Yeah. And that's not to say that I hate Warzone. There are some interesting things about it. Um, The engagements can be cool. One thing I I do like is that there is uh, two modes for the Battle Royale. And one of them is called Plunder, where it's not really a Battle Royale, but it lets you practice Battle Royale engagements because... Um, it drops you in. You get to choose a loadout, uh, but you also get to uh, pick new stuff up off the ground if you need it. Uh, and there's respawning. The goal of the game is to. Uh, it, it's kind of like Dark Zone, in uh, what is the Tom Clancy game that has the Dark Zone? Um. <laughs> there was. It, it Why was can't I think of that last year? The Division. Division. Uh, so it's like that game where essentially what you're doing is you are collecting cash and you are trying to extract it. And when you extract it, like people know that you're trying to extract money. So people can go to these areas and they can fight you. And the team that wins is the team that was able to extract the most money uh, throughout the game. And it's neat because it lets you practice uh, like combat of Battle Royale without actually having to wait for... Um, you know, things to, um, you know, to go through an entire game again. It's like Aram, essentially, where it's like you get the the flavor of a MOBA, but without, like, the commitment. And it doesn't feel, like, as heart-pounding, but it's like, you know, it gets you part of the way there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the multiplayer is fun. The battle pass is good. Um, it's cool that they're adding, like, they're they're changing things up in, in this Call of Duty every week. My one issue with this Call of Duty... Is that they're going to make a new one next?
0: Time. I was going. That's what I was going to ask. Is like, will if there be,
1: just, like, if when... they just stuck with this one, this is what they. They honestly should just stick with this one.
0: You know, you know, like, uh, Bungie talked about that ten-year plan or whatever. But when Riot releases Valorant, like, how long do you think that'll last? Right, like, they don't have to tell you that that game has legs, like, unless everyone just hates it and it does terrible. And even then, I would think that they would try really aggressively to get it back on track and get some good word out for it. But, like, you can't... It feels like you can't um, do... uh, They're they're doing that, like, have their cake and eat it too where they want to have Call of Duty be a live service and they want to update it over a long period of time and do a lot of DLC and make it feel like these other games that just are constantly getting updates. But then they also want to make it so that it's invalid by next year when they come out with another one. So that's, like, a weird... Like, you can't do and those both things at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and
1: it's so lame because they have all these, like, nice microtransactions that, you know, they don't have a season pass. Like, they're doing everything right. They have, like, these really good-looking microtransactions uh, that people are buying and that are going to be worthless next year. Like, it just uh, it kind of... It's it's a sore point, and I want to see... I, I think that if they said, we're going to continue this multiplayer, people would be into it. Like, nobody is going to like what's the worst that happens like they lose their sixty dollars but what they get is they get like a like an install base that is committed that is buying battle passes every three months like isn't that enough just like get people on those battle passes
0: Mm -hmm. i think it should be i don't know i don't i i I guess i don't know maybe it is worth it just to get the people to buy in like I, i understand it's a really obviously it works out uh to their advantage to have a business where Uh, people, you know, you hear people in every day talk about like going home to play Call of Duty or something like that. Um, so if your friends have the new Call of Duty, that just came out, like you got to buy it for the 60 bucks. So maybe that alone is enough to make it, but I don't understand why, um, it wouldn't be just enough to have the microtransactions.
1: Why, why can't they just do Call of Duty be a $40 game every year that has the, um, the campaign. And it has the zombies, and if you buy it, it comes with a battle pass. Like it comes with like the 25 tiers on the most current battle pass or something like that. Yeah, and they, they get a $60 not, yeah. game and do that, and and give people the the campaign, give them you know even give them exclusive skins for the multiplayer if they buy the if they buy the the boxed edition. Whoa, you're right? giving them good ideas. And then just keep everyone on that same multiplayer track so that people can get invested. So people feel good about buying the Michael transactions.
0: I don't know if you're doing it on purpose, but I I did that accidentally. That was on accident. I know. I just (laughs) just said Michael (laughs) transactions. I say it so often that like, I, I, I said it without, like I started saying Michael before I could stop myself. Like it was just, it was not a consideration. Would
1: yeah, that's agree, right? that's
0: really frustrating. Wouldn't, I mean, it's really frustrating because be, how w- they you have feel no right about buying it? they have no right competing for for the that uh that space in this industry wouldn't right now. Would you
1: feel better? Wouldn't you feel good about buying this game if you knew that like, okay, I buy Call of Duty and then I have Call of Duty. Yeah. Like I bought Rainbow Six Siege.
0: It's a hard sell when it's I like I can
1: go back and I can play Rainbow Six Siege
0: when you have to think about you know other games that come out like it's gonna like when do they they're they're gonna probably off it themselves but then other games come out too so it just kind of is a hard sell to to buy the whole thing and knowing that next year like all this progression is lost yeah rather than just being like you know a year later you know hearing oh they got a big huge update you should get blog like download that again and get back yeah. into this game with me um, just yeah, kind of they could
1: just release like three new maps. They could rotate. They could use that as like a big balance refresh, where they say like, okay, we're cutting this map and this map. We're exiting out. we're like, you know, we're taking out these weapons, and and they could take every year the same way that like League of Legends does, where they make it like a refresh. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be, as a consumer anyway, that would be great because I know that this is the best Call of Duty uh, that there has been and who knows if they're gonna get it again no like way, i don't know block. if they're gonna nail it again next year
0: yeah probably not uh, um, so that's
1: where i'm at like it's a great game modern warfare is great uh it's going to last for the next seven months <laughs> uh and then who knows right uh-huh. there are still people playing those old ones but it's just that it's it's not nice to know that it's being left behind right like Uh, Knowing that, like, there's a new shiny Call of Duty that's getting updates, and this one is frozen in time. Yep. But the crossplay is cool, and I think that that's also one of the things that uh, makes it really good on PC, is uh, Call of Duty has historically uh, been a little harder to find matches of, and this one, absolutely not the case. Really? Um, Yeah. So those are the games I've been gaming for the most part. Yeah, I think so. That's a lot of games.
0: Yeah, it's been a good time. I feel like there probably has been other games that I'm not yeah. thinking about, but.
1: I played, I've been playing, yeah. I mean, I could name, like, you know, I got back into Rimworld. They had new DLC uh, be- because I've been looking for, like, games that remind me of, like, board games. And I've been just doing a lot of, like, colony building. So Oxygen, not included in Rimworlds, but Civilization is the most board game, non board game.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to go back to playing board games again
1: well, I put a, a a Steam key for you for a Civilization Platinum. in I know, did you buy card? it?
0: The whole thing? You bought it I bought or is that it for like you, a baby? There what? you go. That's wild. That's for you. I can't believe that.
1: That's for you, buddy.
0: That's so much. That's I said deal. I was going to buy it, too.
1: Well, now you don't have to. And that's the deal with games.
0: Thank you, James.
1: Thanks, Ryan. Uh you know where to find us, btgpodcast.com. Uh we still it's still up there. I'm still paying for the domain.
0: Uh, I thought uh, we usually switch it off. Did you just end up paying for it twice?
1: I don't know. Who knows anymore? Now that I'm an adult, it's way harder to keep track of my money.
0: I know. I started putting money into stocks. That was a bad idea. But I, 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 I,
1: I hope you put them into video games.
0: Uh, no. <laughs> the, video games are expensive. Nvidia stocks are like 230 right now. That's expensive stocks. I don't have the money for that.
1: I've been playing that Ring Fit. I can't even get into that. That's sold out everywhere.
0: Oh, really? I heard such good things about that.
1: Yeah, I, I've been playing it. I've oh, wow. got it. It's good. Uh, we don't have a sign-off.
0: Thank you, Ryan Galway and Crying for the UCR music. We use the intro and outro, Revive, off the old album, Beyond the Fleeting Gales. You can not find them at the Run For Cover Bandcamp, I believe. I don't know if you can find them anywhere. But um,
1: Who knows where I am? Who knows where I'm I know. You,
0: it's hard to find anyone in this crazy world. It's hard times. Right?